0: I'm glad that you're here to um, support and uh, and witness this uh, next step in our community of um, Kate Janke being a, a co-guiding uh, teacher. I wanted to say a few words on uh, why we're doing this, why I asked Kate to do this, um, and uh, a little bit about her and about uh, the qualities of a a good dharma teacher, according to the Buddha, Mm. been doing this, leading this community, this Thursday night community, uh, actually since 1980. So it is now, what is that, 30, going on 34 years. That's a long time um and uh been doing it with tremendous support from various incarnations of our community. Uh Nietzsche, people come and go, but I I've been here and in the last oh ten years or so there's been a really strong uh supportive group um that are holding this together. Um and helping it thrive, Uh, but um, I've wanted to share it, uh, not just do it by myself, thinking about, uh, I'm not ready to retire yet, so I'm not going anywhere, you're stuck with me for a while, Um, but just to think about, uh, about the future, and wanna feel that this community is in good hands, uh, and also, when I go you know i i I go from time to time and travel uh, and teach and uh, when i go there's just there's often this feeling that i'm mm, abandoning you or you just I, I try to get a really good lineup of people but um, and and do I think but to have um, somebody also holding the space and uh, so it's a real container uh, for uh, for us, uh, I think, is an important thing. And also wanted to have some uh, new uh, energy in uh, community building as well and wanted to have some uh, really fine teaching besides uh, what I try to share. So for all those reasons, uh, it, it felt right to... Um, invite Kate to uh, to do this and uh, want to mention why I uh, wanted to ask her. Um, I've known uh, Kate since uh, 2006 when she, by the way, she told me please do not gush, so I'm going to be trying to do this without gushing and I'll just say the truth. Um, that uh in 2006 she was uh what, 23 i think It was uh something like that 23 24 and uh and uh, was sitting a month at the forest refuge i was there teaching uh for the month in uh, september 2006 and um uh she was just this Sweet young woman who, um, as the retreat went on, more and more um, impressed me with her courage to just hang in there for whatever was coming up and uh, real passion for practice. Uh, and, um, and a lot did come up, but she was just willing to go wherever it took her. And... Um, I stayed in touch with her uh, uh, afterwards. She was living at Portland at the time. And uh, then she moved down to the the Bay Area and um, got to know her and support her. She also uh, was a coordinator for the Awakening Joy course for a couple of years and uh, got to know her uh, quite well then as well. Uh, And she uh, has sat a lot of retreats Her, uh, and the qualities that have impressed me, her courage, as I said, to just go for the truth, and uh, her sincerity. She loves the Dharma. And uh, that's something that uh, I resonated with. It, it, It was so it was so uh, beautiful how she how committed she was and passionate she is about practice and uh also a feeling of um integrity and just walking her talk and wanting to be as uh, as much an embodiment of of the practice as possible uh and besides she in her strength of practice and her commitment to practice she's, she has gone through you know when you go through practice you it's not you go through the whole ten thousand joys and the ten thousand sorrows, and uh, she has seen both ends and been willing to to go in there and has um, really strong practice and a lot to share uh, and besides uh, I've always been touched by her a really good heart and beautiful heart. So um, that's enough of the gushing part. And uh, she's in the uh, current teacher training. So besides what I saw in mentoring her these last seven years or so, um, the uh, senior teachers at Spirit Rock said, yeah, she's a good investment. And that teacher training has been going on for the last uh, year and a half or so. And um, so she is under the guidance of uh, Jack Cornfield and uh, Joseph Goldstein and um, Carol Wilson and uh, Guy Armstrong and, and others uh, that are, she's part of a group of about 25 teachers that are being developed as the next generation of teachers. So it seemed like a, a natural thing for her to, um, for me to invite her as being a, a co-guiding teacher. Mm. And uh, yeah, it makes me really happy uh, to think of that. And I wanted to read to you, actually, the Buddha's words on the qualities of a good teacher. This is from uh, Anguttara uh, Nikaya, the uh, Udayi Sutta, where the Buddha was asked... um, about the qualities of being a teacher. And this is what the Buddha says. Ananda had asked him, he says, it's not easy to teach the Dhamma to others, Ananda. The Dhamma should be taught to others only when five qualities are established within the person teaching. Which five? First, the Dhamma should be taught with the thought I will speak step by step, and what that means is sharing in an understandable, accessible way uh, the teachings. Now, the Buddha taught in a, often with lay people. Um, he taught in a in a sequential way, as Ernie was saying. As far as the uh, the paramitas, he'd start out with generosity. And then teach about um, um, virtue and uh, patience and uh, mindfulness and and so on. <clears throat> now we we don't have to do it step by step, but just so that it is uh, that things make sense. So it should be taught clearly. That's the basic principle in that. And taught from what you know. The third the second the Dhamma should be taught with the thought I will speak explaining the sequence of cause and effect. Basically I will speak and share the teachings as I know it, how one thing leads to another and how um, how the Dhamma works, that is knowing basic Dharma principles. Third, the Dharma should be taught with the thought, "I will speak out of compassion." That is, that's the a motivating um, source of one's teaching because you want to share for the benefit of others. <clears throat> Fourth, the Dharma should re, should be taught with a thought, I will speak not for the purpose of material reward. That is, not having the motivation, oh, what am I going to get out of this? But out of a spirit of generosity, of what can I offer? And then the fifth, the Dhamma should be taught with a thought, I will speak without hurting myself or others very useful thing for a Dharma teacher, that is to, again, come from a spirit of kindness and uh, simply to to be of benefit uh, however you can. And and he says, it is not easy to teach the Dharma to others, Ananda. The Dharma should be taught to others only when these five qualities are established within the person teaching. So, Having known Kate uh, over these years, I can say with real confidence that she certainly teaches out of compassion. She has a passion for sharing what's touched her. Uh, she's not doing it out of what's in it for me, but in fact, I I used to encourage her. I said, you know, I think you have something to share. Actually, it was at that first month long at the end of the month. I didn't know that I was going to be in touch with her, but I said, I see something in you and I think you're going to touch a lot of people. Do you remember me saying that? And I didn't know we'd be talking about this community in Berkeley. I didn't know if I'd see her again. But uh, since, since the early stages, it was clear that she had something to offer to others um and it was out of that spirit of giving and generosity uh and um and she knows the practice well enough for um for me to be really confident in what she uh what she knows and what she can explain um, so it's uh it's really good that we're doing this <laughs> so um what wanted to do was um a, a little ceremony, and then you can hear from kate um you know Buddhists have a lot of ceremonies and a lot of um uh imbuing a um a, a sacredness in uh in their in our sharing of the teachings and uh, bringing about a spirit of uh, of the Dharma embodied and there's something quite extraordinary about uh, the power of ritual and the power of ceremony uh, Buddhist or otherwise that when you do something as a as a group and are witnessed there and share it together there's a certain power just like doing, uh, uh, going to a wedding, which is a sacred ceremony, or going to a confirmation or a bar mitzvah or something like that. When you have a common intention and have some um, formal ritual, there's a power in that. So I wanted to do a, a little bit of a Buddhist ceremony that we can all participate in together. See, So um, one thing that's, uh, that's often done is to create some um, holy water to bless. And a way to do that is to chant over the water. So I'm going to do some traditional uh, Buddhist chant. And if everybody, as I'm chanting, which is chanting to um, the qualities of the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha, can just focus on this water and imbue it with your good thoughts and wishes um, so that it is empowered with your own juju and uh, gets strong. This will be part of a blessing that is also connected to um, these protection cords that we'll all share and that... uh, We can bless with, um, as Kate does, a little ritual with us. So I'll do these. Arahang sama, sambudo, bhagava, budang bhagavatang abhivademi, svakato bhagavata damo, dhamma namasami. Supatipano Bhagavato, Savaka Sanko, Sangang Namami, Itipiso Bhagava, Arahang Sama Sambudo, Vicha Charana Sampano, Sukato Lokavitu, <coughs> Anuttaro Purisa Dhamma Sarati, Satade Sanang Budo Bhagavati, swakato bhagavata dhammo sanditiko akaliko ehipasiko opanayiko pacatang veditapu vinyuhiti That is homage to uh, the Buddha, the Dharma, the Sangha and that the dharma is verifiable here and now inviting all to see for themselves leading onward to complete freedom and to be experienced by the wise each for themselves so now <clears throat> like to um have you take the refuges and precepts with me <speaking in foreign language> namo tassa bhagavato arahato sammasambuddhassa
1: namo tassa bhagavato arahato sammasambuddhassa namo
0: tassa bhagavato arahato Sama Sambudasa
1: Namo Tasa Bhagavato Arahato Sama Sambudasa
0: Namo Tasa Bhagavato Arahato Sama Sambudasa
1: Namo Tassa Bhagavato Arahato Sama Sambudasa
0: Budang Arahat Budang Sarananga Chami
1: Buddha saranam gacchami.
0: Dhammāṁ saranam gacchami.
1: Dhamam saranam gacchami.
0: Sanghaṁ saranam gacchami.
1: Sanghaṁ
0: saranam gacchami. saranam gacchami.
1: Duthiampi. Like philosopher- <laughs> Buddham sarnam gachami,
0: du ti ampi damang sarnang gachami,
1: du Dāmam saraṇam damamsarnam gachami,
0: du ti ampi sangang sarnang
1: gachami,
0: du gachami, BON <absolut> t-
1: Tatiyam pi pudam saranam gacchami
0: Tatiyam pi dammang saranam gacchami
1: Tatiampi pi dhammam saranam gacchami
0: Tatiyam Sangam Tati sangham saranam gacchami
1: saranam gacchami
0: Now the precepts <clears throat> Mm-hmm. Panatipata pata, wear up many, sikapadam, samadiami.
1: Padam, <laughs> I might need to look
0: Pana, at it.
1: Panati pata,
0: panatipata
2: pata, <laughs> Panati pata, Anna I'm too nervous. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have them written? I, thank you. I do know these, but it's too, <laughs> too much. <laughs> Panati pata
0: we sikapadam samadiami.
1: PANATIPATA pata we ramani sikapadam samadiami.
0: Adina dana we ramani sikapadam samadiami.
1: Adina dana we ramani sikapadam samadiami.
0: Now, this one is different than what we do on retreats. I don't want you to be celibate for the rest of your life. So <laughs> So this is the uh, the lay one. Kamesu Michachara. Kamesu Michachara. Kamesu micha. Chara we Rapmani sikapadam samadi where
1: we rap mani sikapadam samadi s- uh, s- um,
0: musawada we rap mani sikapadam samadi
1: musawada we Rapmani mani sikapadam samadi ami
0: <coughs> sura maria
1: sura Marya.
0: Maja pama
1: Maja paba natana,
0: We rapmani si kapadam samadi ami,
1: We rapmani Edam me silam,
0: Edam silam,
1: oh. m- me, me silam,
0: Maga pala Pachayohotu,
1: Pachayohotu.
0: Now I'd like you to repeat after me. This is in English, it's easier. Yeah. I, Kate Janky.
2: I, Kate Jenky
0: vow to serve the insight meditation community of Berkeley and the Dharma
2: vow to serve the insight meditation community of Berkeley and the dharma
0: by sharing the teachings of the Buddha,
2: by sharing the teachings of the Buddha,
0: supporting our community members in their dharma practice
2: supporting our community members in their dharma practice
0: and helping strengthen the bonds of like-minded friendship in our sangha.
2: And strengthening the bonds of our...
0: Like-minded.
2: Like-minded. <laughs> like-minded. I can't read your handwriting. Friendship. <laughs> <laughs> Friendships uh, in, our, in our sangha.
0: As a joyful responsibility.
2: Mm, as a joyful responsibility.
0: I commit to serving with integrity... Compassion.
2: I commit to serving with integrity and compassion.
0: And a spirit of generosity.
2: And the spirit of generosity.
0: To the best of my ability.
2: To the best of my ability.
0: And that's part of the deal. <laughs> and um, now we're going to um, pass around these protection cords and uh, that have been part of the blessing. And um, if you take a protection cord, uh, you can either put it around your wrist. I've got a few already. You can kind of get a whole bracelet going if you go to enough ceremonies. Uh, or you can put it around your neck either way. And this will be a way for us to all share um, not only in, uh, in Kate uh, being a, a, a co-guiding teacher but in our connection to each other and, uh, and the Sangha. So you wear these um, cords if you like. Uh, as long as they stay on, and eventually they will go the way of uh, impermanence and fall off in their natural lifetime. Um, you can do it, uh, have it tied so it's one strand, or you can tie it a few times if you like and have a, a couple of wrappings uh, as you like. It's long enough for uh, for either way. And like I say, you can also uh, put it around your neck if you'd like and uh in case you're wondering uh about a protection cord you know what's what's it what's it protect you from uh, as Trump Rinpoche, uh said, well, yourself of course you know <laughs> protects you from your your thoughts your confusion uh it's a great reminder, you know so, people sometimes would tie a string around their finger to remind them of something. Well, this is an ongoing reminder of your commitment to, uh, to the Dharma, to being as conscious as possible and waking up as much as possible. And if you see that on your wrist or around your neck, it's reminding you, oh yeah, this is a big part of my life. And also, hopefully, you'll feel connected to... Uh, everybody here who has these, is sharing these these chords. And uh, it's a great reminder. You don't even have to sit to stay connected to the Dharma. Mm-hmm. So what you do is um, tie, we're going to tie four different knots. Wait, before you put it around, f- one knot for the Buddha, one for the Dharma, one for the Sangha, and one for uh, precepts, that is, living with uh, with integrity. So and just in case you are new to this all, just to explain to you, the refuge in the Buddha is uh, not just the outer Buddha. Whatever relationship you have to the person who lived 2,500 years ago is secondary to the fact that um, There's a Buddha right inside of you, and when you take refuge in the Buddha, which is not so different from the kingdom of heaven within you, you're taking refuge in that place inside of you that um, is already pure and good and um, wants to wake up, that place of uh, the Buddha that's right inside that's wanting more and more to shine through. When you take refuge in the Dharma, you're taking refuge in the truth, in the way things are, um, not uh, merely in the teachings of the Buddha, as profound as they are, but in life you're saying, just like in the, uh, uh, in the uh, Judeo-Christian uh, traditions, saying, not my will, but thy will. It's like seeing, okay, life is offering me what i need to wake up if i can use it well so you're taking refuge in the truth of things and in the natural law of of things of life and taking refuge in the sangha is the uh, community of like-minded friendship that you're not doing this alone you you're here with friends and support that are helping we're helping each other wake up So, you can make a a knot for each of those. One for the Buddha, right within you. And then one for the Dharma. One for the Sangha. community that you are part of. And then one for the precepts. That is um, to live with a spirit of not harming, to have a reverence for life, to honor life, to not steal. That is to uh, respect property and to have a generous heart instead of um, taking what's not ours, um, to not cause harm through our uh, sexuality, that is to have a spirit of safety uh, and non-exploitation for, uh, for others, towards others. Uh, Wise speech, the fourth precept, of as much as possible being uh, kind in your speech and uh, not harmful in your speech. And then the fifth, to um, honor a a clear mind and a healthy body to not abuse um, substances. Um, As best you can, all of these precepts are guidelines. They're not commandments. They're there to help you wake up and be as conscious as you can. Um, So taking it in that spirit. And then after you've done that, turn to somebody next to you and uh, have them tie it on you and you can tie it on them. It can be a, a triad if, that, if there's not an even number of people because you're doing this in community. And uh, you can just cut off the excess when you get home so uh, you don't have to have the dangling string out for you. Um, oops. Okay, everybody just about there. And now I have uh, one other thing that I want to um, do before let Kate talk. And that is, um, everybody with me? Okay. So I wanted to um, uh, give Kate one, one more thing. Um, and this is... Um, Yeah, you're going to get something. Yeah. This is um, uh, something from um, uh, both our community and uh, the teachers. Uh, I picked this out with Carol Wilson, who um, has, uh, is part of this gift uh, in a financial way as well, and our community also, the planning committee, Um, said, oh yes, we'd like to be part of this too. And uh, also um, yesterday it was blessed with uh, the teaching team which happens to be Andrea, who is your first teacher, and Guy Armstrong, uh, and Carol, who's your other mentor, and Greg Schorf, who's teaching, and Brian Lesage, who's your uh, peer. And this is uh, White Tara. And uh, she embodies compassion, and we, uh, coming from a place of clarity, wisdom, and purity of conduct. so, we did the uh, uh, the White Tara Mantra, all of us together last night in the teacher room, and all blessed you and uh, wished you a, a blossoming, beautiful uh, um, role in your teaching here in the community and becoming more and more a, a really wonderful Dharma teacher as we chanted the Om Tara Tutore with your name, Kate Janke, in there. <laughs> And uh, so you've got the blessing of, of all of those people and our community. So that's for you. So welcome, welcome to uh, stepping into this role with us. And uh, if you feel like saying a few words,
2: please. Please. hear me? I'm just deeply moved. (sighs) I'm speechless and I knew that was going to happen. I have a talk but I'm just, it just seems so irrelevant. (laughs) I'm just very deeply touched and um, You know, uh, when James started prodding, I think it's the right word, (laughs) and asking me to teach just in general or even just to get up on a stage and say something, um, I thought he was nuts. (laughs) And uh, I just... just, One thing that if you don't know me uh, very well... Well, if you do know me very well, you know that being the center of attention or being up on stage is not where I like to be. Um, this is my uh, edge in practice. Retreats, month-long retreat, two-month, three-month, that's easy. <laughs> being up here to me is, is my edge. Um, but when James asked me, maybe a month ago to be a co-guiding teacher with him here at this sangha, there was no doubt in my mind. It just felt so right. And I must say in the whole process of becoming a teacher, it's the first time that I didn't have to double think it. It was just so clear that if I was going to be teaching, this is where I wanna teach. And I feel uh, just humbled and Deeply grateful to the community here for um, welcoming me into this role and being here this evening to witness. Uh, and um, I have till nine thirty. Okay. <laughs> oh really? Okay. I will share a little bit of what I came to share. Oh. I wanted to share one of the things that seemed relevant in, in sharing tonight was just to share a little bit about a little bit about me, um, but in the context of what has inspired me on this path and what has been so important to me in this practice. Um, As a kid, I feel like I found Dharma as a a young child without knowing it, without the vocabulary for it. I was one that was often found in a tree or just somewhere out in the hills, out in nature, um, and had a deep, very deep connection with nature. I feel that nature was by far my first teacher on this path. I feel that she allowed me to um, be still, taught me how to be still, taught me how to truly listen to truth and and to listen to the world around us. Um, I felt like this was something that everyone did. (laughs) And as I got older and um, learned in school and learned through my friends that this wasn't necessarily true and it always just seemed like the most obvious thing to stop and listen in a grove of trees and and be still there's a poem i've i may have shared in here before but it's one of my favorites and it makes me think about my first teacher being nature Uh, it's called lost by david wagner Stand still, the trees ahead and bushes beside you are not lost. Wherever you are is called here, and you must treat it as a powerful stranger, must ask permission to know it and be known. The forest breathes. Listen, it answers. I have made this place around you. If you leave it, you may come back again, saying, Here, No two trees are the same to raven. No two branches are the same to wren. If what a tree or a bush does is lost on you, you are surely lost. Stand still. The forest knows where you are. You must let it find you. Pema Chodron says that this practice is a training to stay with what is. And to me, um, staying with what is, as a child, when I was a child, was very simple. It just seems so simple and natural. But as I grew older and got into my teens, I actually lost that connection uh, almost completely, and went through a very difficult time, Uh, experienced a lot of death in my teens, um, a lot of loss. Uh, experienced um, the, a divor- the divorce of my parents and moving across country away from everything that I knew um, to come here to California. And this feeling of impermanence, this feeling of no self and dukkha was very much alive for me at that time. The Buddha says that when one encounters, uh, in an encounter with suffering, uh, what will come is either bewilderment or a search, searching. And I was definitely built, bewildered, shocked. I think we've probably had those moments in life where it just is like someone pulled the rug from under us. This wasn't supposed to happen. It wasn't supposed to go this way. And we're, we don't, we're stunned, not knowing what to do. But through that, through that dukkha, that period, I did find the dharma. Um, it couldn't have gone any other way. I feel that uh, this practice really spoke to me because the first truth being that there is dhar- dukkha, there is suffering, there is this truth of the rug, the floor, will be pulled from underneath you. This is just how things are. And yet there's freedom from, uh, from being um, completely either surprised by it or freedom from clinging to it, to this idea that it's not supposed to be this way. When I first went to Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, um, that of course was not necessarily what caught my ear as much as just the practice itself, the practice of mindfulness. Um, Learning for the first time that I had no control over my mind, which was fascinating to me. Why hadn't anyone taught me this before? I was so grateful, just deeply grateful for someone to show me that and was obsessed with the practice immediately. I couldn't get enough. I was going at least three times a week and um, quickly did the only thing I felt I could do, which was to go to Asia. (laughs) And so I did do that. Um, Only some of it was being naive, thinking that that was just what a good Buddhist did. But some of it, too, most of the the intention really was coming from this place of deep desire for freedom, deep desire to be freed from dukkha, feeling that really wholesome desire to let go of all that I was carrying at the time, and that someone is saying that it's possible, was so deeply inspiring to me. And so... I did go to Asia and sat my first retreat there, which was a 10-day at Swam Mok, uh, which is Ajahn Buddhadasa's um, center for uh, Westerners to come and practice. Um, He's a monk, if you're not familiar, he's a Thai forest monk and and certainly has inspired many of the teachers in this tradition. Uh, So I spent my first retreat at his center, which was uh, because the cheap plane tickets <laughs> it was the hottest time of the year in Thailand, which is hot <laughs> and humid and very buggy. And um, I was thrilled. I just thought it was great. And <laughs> I don't know if I could do it now, but at the time it was exactly what I wanted. And uh, sleeping in a cement room on a, on a grass mat over a cement block, with a wood pillow, which is part of the practice there, so you don't sleep too much, and it works. <laughs> uh, and a bug net with holes in it that I spent the first night sewing with my dental floss in the candlelight, <laughs> thinking, this is great! <laughs> I was just so ready for anything that they dished out, and boy, it was, it was probably one of the most difficult retreats as far as conditions I, I can't imagine you you, you would just—you wouldn't expect the conditions here in the U.S. Uh, but somehow, um, I was fortunate to meet a nun there who came, I think, on the first day, and taught us the metta practice. And there were a lot of different practices being taught, but she taught us the metta practice, and there was something about it that was just so clear and useful. And I began my metta practice on this 10-day retreat. And so among the hordes of mosquitoes and uh, bad digestion and uh, lack of electricity and incredible heat, I was so blissed out in metta. And it really was the first time that I learned how to fully open my heart to strangers as well as to myself this, this um, permission to fully love myself. It was such a gift. It is something that really inspires me in this practice, that we get full permission to love ourselves unconditionally. The Buddha says, searching in all directions with your awareness, you find no one dearer than yourself. In the same way, others are quickly dear to themselves. So you shouldn't hurt others if you love yourself. And I just am so touched by this philosophy that we are offered. The fullness of loving ourselves is the loving of others. And with that, why would you ever hurt yourself or anybody else? Um, This is something that, to me, is core to this teaching. Whether I'm practicing mindfulness or metta, I don't see much of a difference, really. That it all just comes from here. And this deep uh, connection with our own hearts in order to connect with others. And this practice uh, taught me that. This practice also taught me how to face uh, my demons or just the demons. (laughs) I don't know that they're personal to me, but uh, certainly on retreat, many things like James was alluding to have come up. And uh, I feel that uh, a retreat not that long ago, a few years ago, um, was was very telling to me the power of this practice and one that I feel so uh, grateful for. I was in my Dukkha Dukkha retreat. <laughs> Which any of you have sat a Dukkha retreat? Um, it's not one that you sign up for. It just happens. <laughs> it's not on the schedule of the <laughs> Spirit Rock. But I got there, and I was in the most intense aversion uh, experiencing the most intense aversion to everything—it didn't matter what it was. Even if there was chocolate cake on uh, for for dessert at dinner, it just—it wasn't good enough. Everything was, ugh. and it was in this incredible uh, contracted state, incredibly contracted. I'd never experienced anything like it. Uh, that my teachers just held me through the whole thing, and I was a pain. (laughs) I'd go into my interviews, and anything that they offered, I was so aversive. It was just, no, that's not right. (laughs) This wasn't that long ago. (laughs) And I just remember going into an interview. Two weeks of this had gone by, and I went to my teacher, and I said, I just don't get it. I just, I I feel like I'm falling completely out of faith with this practice. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what you guys are even talking about anymore. I just, I don't feel like I can do this anymore. And she said, Kate, I think this might be doubt. And I said, no, I don't think so. (laughs) And I left the interview and went on with my walking meditation and I'm going back and forth probably really fast and very contracted and scowling or whatever and I this this glimpse of insight it just kind of bubbled out of nowhere which is another thing that's so beautiful about this practice this this insight this truth that really doesn't belong to any of us it just sometimes appears out of thin air just when it's needed. And it said, Kate, is this doubt? And I said, oh, maybe, maybe it is doubt. And it was this unfolding of um, truth coming out from my gut through my mouth of, oh, God, this is doubt. I doubt the practice. I'm doubting my teachers. I'm doubting my ability. I'm doubting this place. I'm doubting everything. And it just came up. It was just like a regurgitation of doubt. And it felt so good. And I knew in that moment, which was, you know, I was crying and it was uh, very intense, And I got through it, and I realized that this practice gives me and gives us this capacity to be with whatever comes up, even the most difficult moments, even even the thickest doubt of, this isn't even working for me. The practice still holds us. The Dharma still holds us. It gives us something to take refuge in. It gives us something to relax into. Oh, maybe this is just doubt. Oh, maybe this is just fear. Oh, maybe this is just life coming to an end. Oh, maybe it's just this. Maybe it's just this. And this practice in this beautiful way offers us the opportunity to be with whatever is here, as Pema children said. We're just training ourselves to be with whatever is here. And I feel so grateful for that. I know that I'm at time, and I just wanted to, I guess, convey in a very short period of time a little bit about my own practice, but also to say that um, my intention of being in this seat is not to be um, this thing called teacher, but simply to um, be as authentic as possible and to just share what I know and to share with you this, this practice and this path, which I know that we many of us hold so dearly and so I'm, I'm very grateful for you all to allow me to hold you or hold us all in this path with you. And um, I think I'll end with, with a poem that I think speaks to all of this. This is called The Dakini Speaks. And Dakini, I think they have them on the wall here. Uh, uh, yeah, in the windows here, this one that's flying here, uh, there another word for it is a skywalker. Um, these deities. So these deities of wisdom says, my friends, let's grow up. Let's stop pretending. We don't know the deal here. Or if we truly, truly haven't noticed, let's wake up and notice. Look, everything that can be lost, will be lost. It's simple. How could we have missed it for so long? Let's grieve our losses fully like human ripe beings. But please, let's not be so shocked by them. Let's not act so betrayed as though life has broken her secret promise to us. Impermanence is life's only, only promise to us and she keeps it with ruthless impeccability. To a child, she seems cruel, but she is only wild, and her compassion exquisitely precise. Brilliantly penetrating, luminous with truth, she strips away the unreal to show us the real. This is the true ride. Let's give ourselves to it. Let's stop making deals for a safe passage. There isn't one anyway, and the cost is too high. We are not children anymore. The true human adult gives everything for what cannot be lost. Let's dance the wild dance of no hope. And so I look forward to dancing that wild dance with all of you. Thank you. Dedicate, yeah, I'll dedicate the merit. The merit being just a moment to reflect and acknowledge the wholesomeness of our time here together in practice. Acknowledging also that this practice is not just for us but for our loved ones, our colleagues, the strangers that we encounter throughout our day Our community, and way beyond, including all beings everywhere. May all beings be happy and content in their lives. May all beings be healthy in their mind and body. May all beings be safe from inner and outer harm. May all beings get in touch with their fullest potential for awakening.
0: Thanks, Kate. Thanks for sharing the dharma. Thanks for being part of this community, all of you, all of us. And let's support each other in our practice and um, support you in your continued blossoming as a teacher and leader for our community. And then uh, share all the goodness of your practice with everybody that you know. Thanks for being here with us. Good night.